In the wake of last Friday's deadly train crash, calls are growing for reforming the Taiwan Railways Administration. On Wednesday, lawmakers blasted the 70-year-old railway operator for its bureaucratic culture and lackadaisical approach to safety. Speaking at the DPP headquarters, President Tsai Ing-wen vowed a sweeping overhaul of the TRA's work culture and to improve its bottom line. The atmosphere was somber at the DPP Central Standing Committee meeting on Wednesday, as officials observed a moment of silence for the victims of the Taroko Express crash. President Tsai pledged to reform the TRA. Reforming the TRA is a necessary step. Currently, the main task is to completely resolve the problems with the TRA's organizational culture. Secondly, we have to work toward addressing the TRA's long-standing financial losses. The first order of business is improving the culture and tackling the rail operator's billions of dollars of debt. Then, it's revisiting the question of whether the TRA should be privatized. Tsai said her administration was determined to reform the TRA. Do not doubt the government's commitment to reform. Over these past five years of our administration, the government has carried out many reforms successfully, demonstrating that we are not afraid of tackling touchy issues in the course of reform. This is the attitude we will have when dealing with the TRA. All the people of Taiwan deserve to have a safe way to get home. Reforming the TRA is our unshirkable responsibility. Calls for a rehaul are also ringing in the legislative yuan. From 2015 to 2019, the TRA averaged 500 malfunctions each year. This is ridiculous. You know that, right? Are we being fair to the people of Taiwan? When will the Transportation Safety Board's report be released? In three months or in six months? The report with factual data, we should be able to have that within three months. But the final report will take 14 months. Minister, would you recommend setting up a task force within the executive yuan to review the TRA probe? I believe the task force can be established under the executive yuan. Its work can be led by the executive yuan, with participation across government departments. Ruling and opposition lawmakers push government officials for the truth behind the crash. In the wake of the deadly rail accident, the TRA is facing a chorus of calls for change. The last car from the wrecked Taroko train was pulled out from Qingshui Tunnel Tuesday evening. Car 8 was the lead carriage of the train, and it was the first to slam into the crane truck that rolled down onto the tracks. It was extricated from the tunnel with the help of a retiree in his 70s who provided equipment and advice to the salvage crew. It was difficult. We had a national disaster. The cars were all missing their wheels, so we had to use a bit more force. I'd never seen anything like this. What I felt was the desire to get the work done as quickly as possible. He's not a TRA employee. He saw the news and thought that pulling out the train from the tunnel would be extremely difficult. We took some of his advice, and it worked extremely well. Salvage workers say that with the help of the Good Samaritan, they were able to clear the tunnel one day ahead of schedule. While removing the eighth carriage, the crew recovered more human remains. DNA tests will be conducted to determine if they are from a known victim of the crash. Amnesty International has released its latest global human rights report, documenting its work and concerns through 2020. 
Its Taiwan office says the main human rights concern can be summed up with two words, pandemic and China. The annual report concludes that China's human rights violations became more egregious than ever under the impact of the pandemic. Dr. Li was punished by the police for trying to remind other medical workers to wear personal protective equipment. This incident reflects China's gross irresponsibility in the early days of the pandemic. Suppressing the flow of information inevitably leads to an even greater catastrophe. Many countries' governments and their people have condemned the Chinese government for its large-scale detention of Uyghur people and other ethnic groups in Xinjiang. The international community also strongly opposes China's imposition of strict national security laws on Hong Kong. The whole world is watching. The suppression of the Uyghurs in Xinjiang has not abated but only become worse and worse. No one is as abominable as China. Only China would seize that opportunity to carry out indiscriminate arrests in Hong Kong, to intervene in its election system and to degrade the democracy. And then in Xinjiang, they've subjected the people to concentration camps and forced labor, destroying their families. The report called out China for suppressing information about the pandemic, as well as persecuting medical staff and ethnic minorities in Xinjiang. It also had a mention for Taiwan. It censured Taiwan's government for using surveillance technology to monitor people's movements as a COVID containment measure. The COVID vaccine will be made available to two more groups of people starting next Monday. One group will be disease prevention workers in the local and central government, such as customs personnel and borough wardens. Another group will be people at high risk of COVID exposure due to their jobs. This group includes workers at quarantine hotels and crew members of international flights. Altogether, 125,000 more people will be eligible for the shot starting next week. We're going to expand eligibility for COVID vaccines. It's very hard to predict uptake rates because we didn't assess the willingness to get vaccinated right at the start. Currently, what we can reveal is that we're working toward opening up eligibility. Get vaccinated is a right and a responsibility. If people want Taiwan's economy to recover fast, then they need to get the vaccine if they can. We're not preparing for a scenario in which we don't use up all our vaccines. So far, only 20% of Taiwan's first batch of AstraZeneca vaccines has been administered. The CECC says it's still trying to procure vaccines from other makers, but that there's still no word on its purchase request at BioNTech. Health Minister Chen Shizhong says Taiwan has also ordered 5 million Moderna vaccines. He said that if the shipment from BioNTech comes too late, Taiwan may have to turn it down. A global chip shortage is pushing up the price of semiconductor. TSMC raised its pricing by 3% in the first quarter due to over-demand. Other Taiwan foundries have hiked the price of 8-inch wafers by at least 20% since 2020, with costs soaring for chips used in cars, phones and laptops. Consumers are expected to feel the pinch. 
Amid a pandemic-fueled shortage of semiconductors, chip makers have been raising their prices. Sources say that Taiwanese foundries UMC, Vanguard International and PSMC have raised the price of 8-inch wafers by at least 20 percent since last year. TSMC has raised prices by 3 percent in the first quarter of 2021, and the chip shortage is projected to get more severe. This month, IC giant MediaTek raised prices by 5 percent for select products due to the soaring cost of supplies that's raising the cost of doing business. From TSMC's previous announcement, we know that the company will be suspending its discount deals with clients until the end of next year. Its delivery times are now more than 30 weeks. These days, the car industry still finds itself having to scale back production. There's starting to be a shortage of smartphone chips too. The chip shortage is expected to intensify in the second quarter, hitting assembly lines for cars, smartphones and laptops. In response, foundries worldwide are pushing to expand production. Taiwan chipmaker PSMC is investing 278 billion NT to build two new 12-inch wafer fabs in Miaoli's Tongluo Township. Last month, Intel announced it would spend 20 billion U.S. dollars to build an advanced foundry in the U.S. with a new independent chip designer and a monthly output of 30,000 wafers. TSMC has a 6 billion U.S. dollar plan to build six plants in the U.S. state of Arizona with a projected monthly capacity of over 100,000 wafers. Meanwhile, reports say Samsung's new plants will use advanced processes at the 5 nanometer level and below to produce up to 70,000 wafers a month. These breakneck developments have raised concerns over what happens if the chip market crashes as it did in 1980. Currently, operations are at full capacity and chips are in high demand. That's going to be the situation with advanced processes until the end of next year. For more mature processes, the demand will persist until the end of this year. The shortage will not begin to ease until the beginning of next year. With chips set to stay scarce, prices will only climb higher. That spells bad news for downstream producers and for consumers as well. Zhong Yuan is a man with a big mission to revitalize his rural hometown in Hualien's Fuli Township. Brought up in Taipei, Zhong returned to his family's sleepy hometown after his father fell ill. Since moving back, he's established a thriving agricultural co-op and organic rice company. Together with a group of similar-minded youths, he's organized a music festival to build community within their rural township. For Zhang, who was raised in Taipei, Fuli Township was just a distant childhood memory. That's until he decided to return and run an organic rice company. I had always thought I wanted to be a legislative yuan assistant, but then my life changed. On September 9, 2010, my dad got sick. He had an aortic dissection. It's quite a dangerous condition. But that's what got me to start thinking about returning to the countryside. After returning to his hometown, Zhong began working at his father's agricultural co-op. His family sold rice, and he gave the brand a meaningful name that conveyed gratitude. My father fell ill, so I came back to take over the family business. We're a farming family. There were some matters nobody was tending to, so I came back to give it a try. Just like Zhong, Chen Luyuan is from out of town. He returned to Fuli Township to work the family fields. When he started, he couldn't even irrigate the crops. But now he's brimming with confidence with his own philosophy on farming. 
After coming back to the country, I found this group of friends. Our motivations and direction in life are quite similar. We're birds of a feather. Zhong has renovated an abandoned sugar factory here in Fuli. It now houses his offices, rice warehouse, and marketing company. Zhong has also started his own music festival. It's an event not to be missed, and it helps foster community in the rural township. He and his friends call themselves Fuli 983 after the township's postal code. Together, they're working hard to build a home for themselves as they work the land. <laughs>